Well, hello, world. Welcome to a new episode of, okay, my second episode, of Raw, Real, and a Lot of Recovery. My man Keith is here. Keith. What's happening, man? How you doing? Hello, sir. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We actually know one another in real life. That's the super exciting thing here, man. I love Yeah, it's, it's crazy how we met, and I'm sure we're going to get get on about that a little bit more but it definitely it makes our relationship a little more tangible real you know oh hell yeah we're getting into that we got to that's a crazy part right there man are you kidding me that's like the meat and potatoes of this motherfucker right yes, here sir. yes sir i'm telling you I, I think of this story all the time so i can't wait to talk about it oh man i want to i want to i want to know like how what when you think about it what you remember versus what i remember etc but uh Everybody who's listening, um, you know, the reality of it is most of these people are going to hear about this through social media. It's such a powerful platform. You know, everything's done on social media nowadays. Uh, what's your IG handle? I'm going to put it in the notes, but I just want everybody to to hear it so they can go look at it. Because I love to have a visual of the person I'm listening to when I listen to podcasts. So I want people to have a visual of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at robinsk 45 insk 45 it's just really a combination of you know the things that i'm passionate about my family and, and physical fitness so that's it and robin's k obviously you're, you're you have a huge military background which i'm so excited to touch into that also so i'm guessing the robin's k is your last name first because in the military you're always referred to by your last name yeah man, and then k is your first initial yeah so in in the military we have jobs and we call them MOS, military occupational specialty, right? And my first MOS, I was an aircraft avionics technician. And this is something that just stuck with me all my life. Um, whenever I complete a job, we'd have to sign, you know, the completion of that task, last name, first initial. And so now everything that I do, that's how I sign things. That's how, you know, I annotate myself. And that's how I came up with my handle for my IG. You ain't 45 years old, though, are you? What's the 45 about? The, the 45 is actually my college football number, man. That's my, that was my, <laughs> that, yeah, man, I was, little, I was a little tailback at uh, Southwest State University here in, in Minnesota. And um, that was, that was the number I used to ball out with. And so I just kind of combined the two. Um, no, I it's definitely not my age. Um, are, are we sharing that? Is, is that okay? I, 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 I'm 39, man. So I, and you know, I don't want to change that every year. I turned 40. They say it's all down here from here, but I, I think of it differently. So, um, no, that's... Hey, I, can I don't know who they are, but they can go to hell. First of all, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, Screw those guys. you're one year away from being in the cool club, <laughs> Keith, the cool guys are 40. <laughs> you have a bias, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> uh, you know what? Maybe a little bit, just a little bit, but <laughs> yes, sir. And, um, yeah. When, with the 45, I was like, all right, so you small dude, I doubt if you're a linebacker because you know, line, numbers in, in football, they're correlated with positions. So, yeah. 45 would either been a running back, a linebacker, or, or a DB strong safety. So you were a, you were a running was, back. That makes sense. I was sense, a running but. back. I was, I was, believe it or not, I was fast in my days. So, you know, I, I had no cuts. Uh, it was it was funny in college. 
people would say to me, they'd say, yeah, I can tell you're originally from Florida because you got that Florida heart, but man, your footwork, that's straight Minnesota right there. So I, I, I hit the hole. I was a straight line runner, bro. Like I hit the hole and it'd be like an explosion, man. But you try to tell me to go left or right, we'd have a problem. <laughs> that's where you fall over. Yeah. Man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's- that's awesome. That's awesome, brother. You know, you're in the military, man. You got pretty much everything that, you know, first of all, Valor Fitness Clothing, my clothing line is is, the, is always my sponsor for these podcasts. You know, it's a it's a clothing line dedicated to aiding and uh, inspiring addicts in recovery. Um, you know, using physical fitness is a huge tool in overcoming addiction. And uh, the word valor obviously is a very powerful meaning, uh, powerful word with the with strong meanings and significance. And man, you embody everything that word has to say from the military aspect. You yourself, you're in recovery. So, man, you are pretty much you're more of what my clothing line stands for than I am. Oh, I, I wouldn't go that far. You got, you got the military aspect and the recovery aspect, man. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far, man. I mean, like what you do on a daily basis and you know, we'll go a little bit more into that, but you have been a really integral part of my recovery. So Please don't don't denounce yourself as being uh, all about valor. But yeah, I, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate that recognition. Um, and, it, and it is one of the things that that kind of compelled me to to come to the valor brand. Um, you know, the, the, the name itself, it embodies so much of, of what I'm about. And it definitely reminded me of my my military, my time in the military. Um, and you know, I mean, and then we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I think you have to approach each day with valor, especially being an individual that's in recovery. Um, and not each day, but each moment, it sounds so cliche, you know, and it's funny, the older that I get, I used to, to cringe at cliches, but the older that I get, the more that cringe. I, I live by them, you know, you, 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 you have to, you, you have to. And, you know, because they're cliche for a reason, it's because they have such profound meaning and living each moment with valor, it allows for us to, to, to be within ourselves, to utilize our past learning experiences and to go against the grain, to go against that, which is easy to have that integrity that, you know, was introduced to me, you know, not only growing up because my father was an amazing man and he taught me so much. I just decided not to listen to him, but the integrity, <laughs> the, the integrity that, you know, was pounded into me in the military, it takes valor each and every moment to do that. Whether you're dealing with your children, you're dealing with sobriety, you're dealing with an asshole at work, you know, I, I mean, it, it really, the name of valor, it, it really encompasses so much of life. And, and so I thank you for what it is that you bring to the table and, and, you know, having this brand out there and for a community of people um, that have struggled with drug and alcohol and amongst many other things to find, you know, common ground. And as far as physical fitness is concerned, you know, I mean, it, it does, it takes, it takes a certain amount of courage, which is a component of valor and to, to get up and, and push yourself each and every day and stay consistent, you know? So th- no, thank you. Thank you. You nailed that. And, uh, First time I met, I was actually fucking terrified, and I'll get into that <laughs> later. <Fair laughs> fucking like terrified. I think I called like four friends to make sure they all knew where I was in case I came up missing. But 
<laughs> yeah, I probably yeah, in, yeah. in retrospect that was a good choice. That was a good choice. <laughs> I didn't really, but I think two friends didn't know that I was a little, you know, on un- ease about about yeah. this. But uh, you know, the word, the word Valerie, you're touching base on that. You know, I'm just going to touch base on that for one second. You know, it's commonly defined on having extreme uh, courage in the face of danger, and it's often associated with the military, which I have so much respect for. Um, when the one man that actually that my mom actually married when I was a child, he was a Vietnam vet. So uh, he was a Marine. So he spoke military a lot and he was around for about probably five years. So, and the, and so those were, those were influential years for me. They were probably, I would say maybe 14 to 19. So um, I found, I use the word valor in recovery because as an act in recovery out on the streets, when we're trying to be in, in, uh, you know, practice recovery, man, our drug and drink of choice is everywhere. So to stay away from it and not use or drink takes a ton of courage and there's danger everywhere out there, man, that relapse is waiting for us. This disease wants to kill us every day. So, you know, it's extremely courageous to stay sober uh, or clean in, 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 in this world. So that's, that's why I did that. But let's, let's dig into this damn podcast, man. People want to talk about Keith Robinson. They want to know, and I want to know. So, um, we're going to get into, into how we met first, but you know, me, for me personally, a lot of my, uh, my addiction came from childhood trauma that I never dealt with. So, you know, in my, in my childhood, I had a lot of trauma, uh, you know, mental abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Tell us a little bit about, about your childhood. Just don't dig into it. Just tell us a little bit about your childhood. Like where are you from? Where are you raised? Uh, your parents just dab into that for one yeah, second. Absolutely. So, I was actually, I was born in um, Fort Stewart, Georgia. My father was a career military man as well, but immediately I ended up um, being moved to Havana, Florida, small town in the South, right outside of Tallahassee, Um, really country, um, predominantly uh, African-American, walnut trees and everything everywhere. Um, My mother, my biological mother, she suffered from addiction. And she actually died when I was 13 from AIDS, which she contracted from needles, from dirty needles. Um, My father, as I stated, career military man, um, he came to get me when I was seven and I moved up to Minnesota. And um, moved up to Minnesota with my old man. Next thing I knew, I had a little brother and a little sister and a stepmother. Um, And... Went to school, high school um, in Minnesota, and my father, he gra- he retired the same year that I graduated from high school, and he basically told me, he's like, you're going to figure it out, man. You're going to figure it out. You're going to do something, and you ain't going to sit around here, and that's, that's kind of what propelled me to, to join the military. Father was a really strict man. Um, he was actually a drill sergeant in the military, so he, would, um, he was stationed uh, in Minnesota for much of my childhood. Um, however, he did spend time in South Korea and Kansas. So there were years that he wasn't around and I was left with my, with my stepmother. Um, oftentimes, you know, um, we didn't see eye to eye and I would end up in foster homes. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting when I look back on it, you know, people talk about abuse now for children and at the time, I didn't see it necessarily as abuse because I was a badass little kid. Like, I'm not going to lie. I gave my stepmom hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's, just, let's just put it out there. But 
at the same time, you know, I didn't see it as abuse, but, you know, in, in today's standards, it, it was, it was abuse and, you know, things were changing around that time. And it was the early nineties. And so, you know, I ended up in foster homes and in and out of group homes, but yet I would still be back. So your dad's home. away on deployment. So your dad's away on, your, on deployment and you're with your stepmom and you end up in foster yeah, homes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, it became, you know, I, I, I can look back on it and I almost, I prefer to be in the foster homes as opposed to with my stepmother. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was trying times. It was definitely trying times for me. And, um, but you know, I, I try not to dwell on those things as much anymore. I realize that they did create some, some issues for myself, but I also realized that it created a sense of strength in myself and I took that into the military. And so I, I'm very adaptable, you know, uh, have the ability to, to live and to, to function in any type of environment. And so I, I, I've been practicing a lot of gratitude these days. And so I'm grateful for these trying moments in my childhood, which have, you know, created me to be the person that I am today. Um, Let's not bullshit, man. I created a lot of fucking resentment, oh, too. Absolutely. You probably resented the fuck out of your Oh, that, that, that goes without saying. I mean, I'm 39 right now, and I can't stand the bitch. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, that's <laughs> I'm just keeping it 100. Like, I, and, man. you know, and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, I have a stepson right now. He's, he's 14 right now, and I have to check myself each and every day. I, I, I've never put my hands on him. You know, I mean, I used to get whipped with extension cords, beat upside the head with pans. The reason I got big shoulders right now is because she'd make me stick my nose in the corner. And I, I don't know if you remember these, bro, Encyclo Encyclopedia Britannicas. It was big. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I used to hold like two of them joints out to the side, shoulder, lateral shoulder raises, right? And then she, that'd be, oh, stop I it. I swear to God. Stop I swear it. to God. That'd be, that'd be like one of my punishments. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Call that CrossFit nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, she, she wouldn't she didn't even know. You pay to do that to other people nowadays. No, she was just setting me up for success. <laughs> no, man, we joke about that. But, man, my, uh, my stepmom, uh, my my relationship with my dad was never good, and my stepmom was uh my my memories are, are are horrific and lots of resentment. So as soon as you started getting into that, man, I, I just started. I got into my head. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, you know, um, you know, one thing I'm curious. Do you think that she was so tough on you because you were her stepchild and her husband had left her, and now you're a product of another woman? Maybe she had a little bit of of an issue with that because you were a product of your father, her husband with another woman. And now your father's gone and she's left to fully raise you. I, I do believe that was part of the case. I believe I was a burden upon placed upon her and the, the benefit of that burden was having my father, right? My, my father was the reason she took on that burden without my father in the picture the benefit is no longer there and there's only the burden. And so I believe that as humans, we take on a lot of burden, but that's having some type of goal or aspiration or benefit in mind. And so you remove that. There's no purpose behind that, that burden. And so, you know, looking at her as not as my stepmother, but just as another human being, not to, not to justify her behaviors, 
but I can see how it would be easy to fall into those types of, of ruts. Um, and I say that because like I stated previously, I have a stepson and I have to challenge myself each and every day to not allow for my emotions to, 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 to be the backbone on how I raise him. Now his father's no longer in the picture period point blank. There's no child support. There's no There's, there's nothing. And so when I deal with the difficulties of my stepson, I have to pull myself back and realize, hey, not only have you gone through these things, you can approach it differently, but also you have to be aware of your emotions and, and, and not allow for yourself to just go to your, 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 your ego in, in your human nature and be sensible, be cognitive about the decisions that you make and realize that they have a lasting effect on this child. You know, a huge part of a huge part of uh, a part of recovery, and just part of being an adult in, is, in general, is is living in your conscious mind and really thinking things out. And so, it sounds like you really have to do that. And you just said you're this is this was your choice from day one. You knew your wife came with this package, so you know you chose this. So, so you know, it, it, so you have to really live in your conscious mind to make it the best you can every day. You have to do that as a human being in general, and then especially as an act in recovery because we've trained ourselves just com- to be complete shitbags for fucking however Absolutely. long. It's, it's, and, and you hit the, the, the nail right on the head. Um, you know, that's actually one of the biggest, I'd say it's the biggest skill. Again, we go to that cliche, but all throughout, um, all throughout uh, recovery and all of the uh, rehabilitations that I've been through, because I've been through multiple um, one of the biggest skills, yeah, oh, yeah. one of the biggest skills that I've garnered is being inside of my conscious mind and not allowing myself to live emotionally. Um, because allowing myself to live emotionally, I'm barbaric. I, I, I am the heathen or the savage that I don't want to be. But when I live inside of my conscious mind and I'm, I'm, I'm conscientious of every decision that I make and I, I check myself every moment of the day. When I first began to do this, it was simply exhausting. I didn't realize how much I had to battle myself because I could just fly off at the handle at any given moment and, and react emotionally. Um, but that's not the person that I wanted to be, but that's just simply how I was emotionally. And yeah, so that that's one of the biggest skills. And I think that as a father of four and a husband, that's the biggest thing that has helped me is being in the moment and thinking about each and every word that I utter, each and every action that I take, knowing that there's ramifications for each. And don't, please don't get me wrong. I still, <laughs> I still react emotionally from time to time. But not a robot. That's a learned no, skill. Yeah. It's a skill and it's one that I'm going to continue to enhance, you know, and I mean, and, and living it is, is something I, I just noticed with time, it gets better and better, um, you know, and, and, it, and it does, it, it enhances the relationships that I have in each interaction that I have, even with strangers. <clears throat> Definitely can get into that. You know, I've, I've seen, I've seen, I've been blessed and honored to see such a freaking transformation with you in, in probably the last six to eight months. And we're going to get into that, but yeah. Um, Real quick, I want to go back for one second because you mentioned you played college football, but then you said you went to the military right yeah. out of high school. So did you go to? Did you play college football for like one or two yeah, years, so and that, 
How did how did the military yeah, so, come about? Okay, so when I joined the military, I actually joined as a Minnesota Army National Guardsman, right? And so that's one week in a month, two weeks out of year, back when it used to be that. Now it's like three weekends in the month and a whole summer. But um, I went to the National Guard, came back from my initial, tr- initial training, and I started going to college. Well, I went to the active Army, and I did that for a year and a half. And I, um, honestly speaking, I got in trouble with alcohol, even in, even in my, um, active duty stage. Um, I came back and I went to college and the second time when I went to college, that's when I started playing football. And when I started playing football, I said, well, I'm not getting a scholarship for this because it was a D2 college. And I decided to join the national guard again, had to go through waivers and um, that's how I started playing college football. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So when you were young, when you were young, was drinking and drugging part of uh, part of your story when you were a kid, like in high school, junior high? You still there, Brian? Kid, you there? Yeah, you there? Hello, Keith. All right, so um, there you are. Yeah. So when you were young, in your in your in your teens and high school years and whatnot, did you really was there a lot of drinking and drugging going on then? Yeah. So I actually went to a to Lakeville Senior High School, and in Minnesota, Lakeville is a very it's pre- predominantly white uh, culture in the area, and um, lots of farm boys, and that's what they did on the weekends. Um, uh, one of the a story that I haven't shared a lot is um, my senior year in high school, I knew I was going to end up going to the military in some capacity. And um, we went, I went to a bonfire and, you know, in order to fit in um, being one of two or three black people in the high school, um, I did start to drink. I never really drank heavily because my parents were pretty, they were pretty strict. And so I didn't want to get, I didn't want that smoke as they say. And, um, but you know, as I got, as I got older, you know, I did engage in the drinking that, you know, was going on and went to a bonfire. And, um, unfortunately, um, you know, to please everyone, I got into get everyone snacks and smokes later on in the evening. And I actually ended up, uh, putting my head through a windshield and ended up in the hospital and uh, almost didn't uh, make it to the military. Had glass in my head for years to come after that. And you you know, you would think that if I was in my right mind, I'd realize that at that point, you know, hey, alcohol is not for me. But um, no, no, that was just the beginning as a matter of fact. <laughs> it was just getting his grasp on you. You're like, this is such a great idea. Yeah. Well, I just let it just Life. Let's do it again. <laughs> Let's do it again and again. A hundred thousand times. All right. Yeah. So um, I'm going to get into the real quick. I'm going to get into the, we're going to get into your story, but I'm going to get into the be real section. I'm going to fire some questions off at you. All right. Move a little bit, you know, uh, yeah. this is, uh, this, part, this part is sponsored by my buddy, Billy over at brainwash coffee. If you guys are uh, in, re- if you guys like coffee in general, especially if you're in recovery, go check out brainwash coffee. Man, they got some great coffee over there. Um, I'm on day 23 of no coffee because I'm trying to quit it. But man, when I when I did drink it, 
Uh, I got some of his stuff and I loved it. 50% of the proceeds go back to recovery. I made his ass prove to me that that really does happen. The, otherwise, I never would have even imagined having a sponsor, but he's a good guy, does good things. So um, definitely check out Brainwash Coffee. But I'm going to fire some questions off at you, man. You ready? Bring it. Nothing to be too crazy, but uh, you're a Vikings fan. Who's your favorite Vikings player of all time? Of all time, Adrian Peterson. I, I mean, that's, that's too easy, man. All day, every day. I'm well, you're you're old as fuck, too. You might say, like, Fran Tarkington or, like, you know, the, the D-lineman <laughs> back in the, the Purple People Eaters. You know what I mean? No way, man. That guy changed the franchise for I don't know how many years, and he's still doing it. He's still on the field doing it. That's what I love about him. Even at 39, 40 years old, I look at that guy right there, and he's out there doing playing professional sports. And I'm like, if he's doing that, there's no way I'm not going to stay in the gym, you know? Yeah. All right. Next question. Another COVID lockdown for one full year or four more years if Trump is president? Man, you can put me in the house and throw away the key before we have Trump as a president. That's not – come on, man. Come on, man. MC right. Hammer or Vanilla Ice? MC Hammer. Give me, the, give me the balloon pants, man. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. The Taco Bell commercials where he jumps off the building. All right, Nike or Adidas? Nike. Easy. Just you do it. failed. You failed right away. You're supposed to say neither, motherfucker. You're supposed to say Valor <laughs> finished clothing. You're no longer you a fucking set, you count set, code. You You're fired. You, you set me up. I, set me up. I end this episode right now. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. What am I going to wear for shoes? I, mean, I can't be out here You're, with no shoes. Hey, you know what? Don't try to, don't try to make your fucking sense of this shit. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Next question. Weirdest place you ever took a shit in the military? Oh, Jesus. Um, I'd have to say it was probably a five gallon bucket in the back of a Humvee driving down the road. With people sitting right next to you. People sitting right next to me. No shame. <laughs> and the thing there was and this no is appropriate shame. next question. What's your favorite meal? <laughs> My favorite meal, honestly, I I have four eggs, some chicken sausage mixed in with it. And then I make sure that I have a protein shake. Right now, that's all I'm consuming. I didn't ask what the meal you're eating the most now because your self-conscious was. I said, what's your favorite meal? Oh, well, I'm black. So, you know, I love my fried chicken, bro. I mean, I, 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 I look, I'm going to tell you like Dave Chappelle said. Here it is. I thought that I love fried chicken because it was juicy and crispy and delicious. And I'm just genetically predisposed to liking fried chicken. So that's what it is. <laughs> Damn, there you go. All right. Um, craziest gag you ever played on somebody in the military? Oh, wow. Wow. The craziest gag that I've ever played on somebody? Um, I probably have to say there is a dude who did not wash himself or his clothes ever. And so in the middle of the night, me and my dudes, all my bros, we just took all of our washing detergent and poured it all over all of his gear. So in the morning when he woke up, he had no choice but to put it in the washer and wash them joints. Hey, all I can say is he was clean for a couple of days after that. <laughs> Did he shower? Oh, I, I don't know if he showered, but his clothes were clean. So it, it was... <laughs> 
It's like a, you know, as long as, as long as what he was wearing smelled good, right? Exactly, exactly. All right. Would else, you rather hang out with Donald Trump for 24 hours or eat shit? Wow, you're really testing me here. But, you know, I figure I can always wash my mouth out, so I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and eat shit, bro. I can always watch my soul, my soul, my soul, my soul, my soul, you know what I'm saying? That's that's forever. I can wash my mouth out. (laughs) All right. If you can bring back one celebrity or professional athlete to hang out with for one full day, who would it be and why? I hate to be somebody has passed, unfortunately. Yeah, I I, I hate to be a prisoner of the moment, but I would Kobe Bryant. Hank Aaron, man. You know, oh, the, thing, yeah. the thing about it is, is I think Hank Aaron would be able to teach me so much about being able to rise up in the face of adversity and to do so with class and dignity. Um, and the man, even after everything that he went through, he still was he was so highly revered amongst individuals because he still had a heart of gold, no matter what he had gone through. And so I think I, I mean I can't stand baseball. It's slow, it's painful, but it would it would have to be Hank Aaron because of the the life lessons that he could teach me. Yeah, man. Class and arrogance. And who knows when the people that are listening to this podcast, who knows when they'll listen to it. You said prisoner of the moment because Hank Aaron passed just a couple of days ago. That's why you referred to prisoner of the moment. Yeah. I blurted out Kobe Bryant because today is the one year to the yeah, day that Kobe Bryant passed in yeah, the in the in the helicopter so you know some people may be listening and that today's today's january 26 uh, 2019 yeah so people might listen to, to this in two months three months and so they won't realize the significance of why we said what we just said but okay all right last one when you were in the military did you ever have to kill anybody wow um i was a medic i never had to kill anybody up close and personal i have fired my weapon um in the, the direction of uh, assailants, but um, no, I can't. I can't say for certain that I've ever had to actually kill anyone. Bam! There you go, brainwash coffee, Billy. Thank you so much, you guys. Hope you like this section. I'm doing this with every guest, firing off some fun questions. So just to change the mood of our of our things. Keith, yeah. thank you for that. Absolutely. Back to you, man. You know, your, your military aspect really fascinates me. And you were deployed for 17 years. Or you were, I'm sorry, you were in the service for 17 years and you, you, you deployed three times. Yes, I did. Am I, okay. Yeah. You know, I just, want, I just want you to speak on that for a little bit, man. Speak about, you know, just a little dab into your, into your military experience, dab into your deployments. Where were you stationed? Um, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm super fascinated about addiction in the military. You know, we watch movies, us people that have never been in don't really know anything like that. How serious is addiction in the military? You know, is there, is there programs in place for, you know, people that are obviously show signs and are obviously just crazy addicts, or is it just something that's not talked about? And when you do something stupid, you're just dishonorably discharged and your life's fucked. Like, yeah. So, uh, that's a, those are those are all really good questions, and I, I'll I'll try to to, to touch on all of it. Um, the first thing that I want to touch on is you know the the addiction side of it. It's interesting because the military has a culture that lends itself to alcohol consumption, whether that be uh, you know on the off time, um, you know if you're stationed in Germany, 
Um, everyone goes out to the bars. Everyone has alcohol. Anytime that you're off, you know, anytime that you have some type of social meeting, bringing together, um, there's alcohol involved. Um, when I first joined the Minnesota Army National Guard, I was 18. And albeit it was not legal, it wasn't necessarily frowned upon that, you know, I was an underage drinker. And so, and, and, and you would do so, you would consume alcohol to the point of inebriation. And that was, it was funny. Um, it was like a, it was a, it was a badge of honor. If you could hold down your liquor, the more liquor you could hold down, the better you're, you know, you're, you're a real man, you're a real soldier. And so, you know, I, that's, that's the story that is imprinted into soldiers. Um, at least when I joined, um, you know, so how good of a soldier you are was 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 defined by how much alcohol you can consume. Well, and and the, the manhood aspect of it, you know, the, how big your balls are, exactly, how much you can drink, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, with with that in mind, I I, I think that I I don't like to blame the military for my substance abuse history, um, but it definitely played an integral part in it. Um, now going on to your question about the the programs that are in place they have bolstered those programs since i've retired and gotten out of the military um there are programs in place for individuals but here's the thing about those programs you have to get in trouble with alcohol or uh drugs in order to be sent to those programs so it's not so they're reactive instead of they're reactive after something happens instead of being proactive and anticipate and seeing signs and then helping out ahead of time. Exactly. So it's not as though it's something to, to help for remoralization or rehabilitation. It's more so of a, of a remediation almost. And it, it's, it's, you're not going in there because you want help to, because you want to try to get better. You're going in there because your commanding officer said, okay, you just got pulled over with the DWI. Now you have to go to this program. Um, now, I think there's a lot more social consciousness about the effects that it has on individuals. Um, people can and will be discharged for alcohol consumption um, or in excess thereof. And it, and it, and it does, it can, it'll kill your career. Um, but now they're, they're, they're educating soldiers a lot more on it and they're speaking about health um, to soldiers, mental health, emotional and physical health and the dangers that alcohol um, play a part in that. And so the, the idea that alcohol consumption is, is, is a great thing and we should all do it, I believe is transforming with the change of, of the military. I, I find it interesting that, you know, um, President Biden just signed that bill, um, you know, to kind of to, to change the, the identity of the armed forces, uh, because on a social level, the, the military is changing. And I do think that that's a, a big part of it. Um, so, yeah, it's a transgender where Trump took that away. Right. And, that, and that's exactly what I'm referring to. And, and I, I, I speaking from, from myself as a veteran. Um, I think it's a great thing. I, I think that if you, I think that if you want to serve your country, then you should be able to serve your country, and that's regardless of what you know, um, sexual orientation that you have or have chosen to be. Exactly. Let's 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 face in your in your and for you personally about the military now. Let's let's go into that. 
like where were you stationed? Uh, three deployments, where did you go? You were in for 17 years. Just take a couple minutes and just, and just speak on that. Yeah, so um, joined in 1999 out of Minnesota. Like I said, I joined the National Guard. Um, about two, two years after that, I was stationed in Ansbach, Germany. And Ansbach, Germany was absolutely gorgeous. As I stated before, I was an aircraft avionics technician, so I was always in helicopters flying around Germany. It was cold, but it was beautiful. Um, after which I came back to the, to the States and I was stationed in Fort Eustis, Virginia. I was stationed in Fort Hood, Texas, uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, um, all around the continental United States. And those were mainly for, for training experiences. Um, back in 2006, is when I started on my first deployment. So I went down to Texas in Fort Hood for six months, and I trained for deployment for six months. Um, immediately following those six months, I went to um, Balad, Iraq. And it was a really interesting experience for me. I'll never forget getting off the plane, and I thought I was going to get off the plane, and there was going to be bombs and explosions everywhere, just like, you know, saving Private Ryan. Like, I was coming out of D-Day like that. Um, it wasn't the case, uh, but yeah, I went to. Uh, so you're flying there. As you're flying there, you're thinking about that whole time. Your anxiety is probably going crazy, that, and that's what you're expecting. Yeah, my my anxiety was was going through the roof. Um, you know, at the time I was I was single. I had no children, and you know, honestly, the way that I approached it was, well, if it's my time, it's my time. Um, at least I know I'm I'm doing something good with myself, and that's actually kind of. The, the the thought process I had going into each of them, except for when I had children, I, I just knew that what I was doing made my life worthwhile. I, I knew that what I was doing was for a greater good. I knew that I was doing something honorable. And so it, it gave me a certain level of confidence and peace. And I think that that I think that that's what propelled me to stay in the military, even after I completed my first deployment. But, um, you know, on that first deployment there, it was it, the, the anxiety was through the roof. Um, I mean, we would go to we would go to what we call chow uh, where we'd have our uh, our meals and some of the local nationals that worked on post, um, they would blow themselves up in our chow hall. Um, we would have. Um, incoming rockets and mortars consistently and you know so they would go to chow halls and blow themselves up trying to kill as many as you as possible yeah yeah exactly and so that's uh to this day i eat very fast i'm always the first person done eating um a lot of people think that that's from basic training but actually for me personally it's from going to the chow hall and trying to eat as fast as possible and get up out of there um because i don't want to be blown up you know um you know, I would, uh, we would have incoming rockets and mortars. And the first couple of months you're there, you run to these, these bunker shelters and you get to a certain point and you're like, if that rocket or that mortar is going to hit me, it's going to hit me and that's it. And I'm just going to lay here and go back to sleep. And I got to that point that, that there's a certain level of passivity that kind of comes over you where you're here, you're here to do a job. And, you know, that's, that's kind of part of it. And I kind of adopted that mindset, whether that be on guard tower duty or my second and third deployment, 
I was back in Iraq, but I was actually stationed in Kuwait. And so what we would do is we would be in Kuwait, we would load our trucks up, and then we would travel north to south, east to west of Iraq doing convoys. And there were times where IEDs would go off. And there were times where EFPs, electronic projectiles, basically just big pieces of copper that have an, exp- an explosive uh, component behind them. And they would melt like butter through our up-armored vehicles. And you just kind of knew, like, if that hit you, then that was it. So what's the point in being scared? Was there anxiety? Was, was there trepidation getting ready for these missions? Absolutely. But once you hit, once I personally said my prayer, and I got into that <clears throat> truck. It was just a matter of, all right, let's go do the mission. And if I make it back, thank you, Jesus. If not, it was my time. Uh, was there a lot of drinking going on over there? Um, no. Actually, on deployments, there wasn't. Um, was there drinking? Yes, there was. People would have things mailed to them from their loved ones. Um, there was weed smoking going on. People, Some guys, you know, they get off post and they get weed from the local nationals when they did missions. Um, you know, I, I know people that would have alcohol sent in like Listerine bottles and they'd sit in their rooms on their off time and play video games and, 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 and drink during that time. Um, it wasn't, it, it, it was, <laughs> if you got caught, it, that was it. It was, it was, it was a wrap for you. You were done. So it was, there wasn't a lot of it, but there, it was definitely there. Um, and that just kind of goes to show you wow. how, you know, I mean, I bet you, I, I would, I would be willing to bet that a lot of those guys that got that stuff sent there didn't think that they had a problem. But if you look back on it, it just goes to show you how strong addiction is, and you need. Yeah, but shit mailed you in three bottles because you need it so it, bad. It's, it, it is. It's, it's crazy, and I mean, and not only that, but all the things that you put at jeopardy, you put yourself, your your own, your own physical, um, your own physical health at jeopardy because you never know when you're going to be called in for a mission. Now you're putting other people's lives at jeopardy. Um, you know, I mean, so you may not think that you have a problem, but it, that just goes to show you how strong and invasive alcoholism can be. Yeah. Crazy. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to, uh, we're getting into some good time here. We're in like 45 minutes. Um, let's talk about the, the end of uh, your, of your, of your military career, how, how it, how it stopped and, and, when was this and and how yeah, that happened? So, um, like I said, on those deployments, you know, there's there's times that uh, I, I I did incur some explosions, and um, I got back in 2012. I was um, I was active duty still in the state of Minnesota, and um, eventually my hips started to to undergo some really big issues from the the effects of uh, of war. And I ended up needing to have my hip replaced. And um, unfortunately, that hip replacement um, caused for me to be medically retired. I had hit that time period where, you know, I'd done enough time and done enough things in the military where they said, you know what, you deserve to retire and this isn't on your own accord. Um, But, you know, another thing that came into being um, that I don't talk about very often was I had actually gotten a DWI. It was my first and only DWI. My wife made sure of that. But um, I, <laughs> I got in a DWI and um, along with my, my fake hip, you know, they said, you know what, it, it's, it's time for you to take care of yourself and you, you need to, to get, get the help that you need. 
and that just kind of sent me unfortunately that 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 retirement actually sent me into a spiral which thankfully has gotten me to where i am today um because without the military that's a big part of my identity and without the military i dove into the bottle heavier and stronger than i ever had in my entire life and so you know with that fake hip and without having the military um, that's kind of how my, my military career ended. It ended on a good note, but it sent me into a bad place. You know, the military, that was your identity for 17 years. You know, that's all you knew. And so, you know, with the military, I think with addicts and, and, <clears throat> and addiction and lots of us as adults, you know, the military gave you discipline. It gave you structure. It gave you a lot that us in addiction needed. Now, not only the identity and all you've known for the last 17 years is gone, but then that structure and discipline has gone as well. And now you got to replace the fucking hip. Right, exactly. And so, you know, trying to trying to find not only, you know, that identity, but also that purpose. Like, who, who, what, what am I even here for? You know, I mean, my identity was Keith the soldier, but my purpose is to take care of, you know, soldiers and, and to provide a service to the American peoples. And as an African-American male in this country, people saw me and they accepted me because they saw that uniform. Well, now you remove that uniform. Now I'm just another black face. So now my, my self-esteem has taken an even bigger hit, right? So now I'm trying to replace all of that, and I've got a lot of time on my hands. And, you know, I mean, thankfully, my, my retirement came with a lot of financial encroachments. And so, you know, I don't have to work another day in my life. Well, what am I going to do? If I, if I can just butt in yeah. for one second. Because you talked about wife, but we've never talked about how you met your wife. <laughs> At this time, you, you leave the military, you have kids. Yeah. So um, not you're not... You, you know, I, I unfortunately, you, you might disagree with me. You're not just another black face without that, without that uniform. I understand how you might think that, but you're no. still, you're a dad. No, you're a husband. I, I don't believe uh, that. I don't believe that. That's, that's, that's my, that, that's, that's the feeling that I received from the community once I took off that uniform. Oh, no, I, but one thing that I've worked on is my self-esteem and I know who I am. I know, I know that I'm a dad. I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a friend of Jim Jim Hernandez, damn it. So <laughs> we won't hold that against you. Let's talk about your wife. I want to get into the story. When did you meet your wife? Like you have kids, you leave the military, you already have kids now, besides your 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 step uh your stepchild. Uh how did you meet your well, wife? When? I, Just real quick. My wife and I um actually met after my third deployment. Um this is my my second marriage. Um and during my after my first marriage, my, my wife actually is the one who, who picked me back up off of my feet. And I actually met my wife through someone that I actually deployed with. And um, she introduced the two of us um, and we just hit it off uh, immediately. And, you know, she has been one of those people that, you know, give you that tough love when you need it but is always there and has always supported me. Um, we have two children together and we have two children um, that are not biological because I came into our marriage with a daughter and she came with a son. And then we have two beautiful children together. We're a beautiful family of six that's blended together. Um, and she, she really is. She, Who wears the pants? She does. Uh, you, you, think, you think I'm <laughs> stupid enough to say something different? <laughs> <laughs> yes no my, my my wife wears the pants but every once in a while she 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 well, every once in a while she lets me try them on so 
just yeah, to humor you. We all know that. She's like, now take them off. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you got that 27 seconds of that feeling. Yeah. But all right, we're gonna get into uh, we're gonna get into how Jim Hernandez and Keith Robinson met. This was a fucking experience, <laughs> man. Let me give you let me give you a little background on uh, from my perspective. So you started messaging DM in the Valor page, the Valor Fitness Clothing page, and you didn't know the whole time you were messaging me because I I I talked in third person. Because you were like, I need to talk to the owner. I want to go down to L.A. You're in Minnesota. Uh, you're like, I want to go down to L.A. I want to meet you guys. Oh, my God, this is what I'm standing for. And I was like, who is this guy? And then, um, you know, you're, you're telling me about PTSD, your addiction. You're in the midst of addiction. You're trying to get in recovery. You know, your life is this, your life is that. But you want to fly out to L.A. on the spur of the moment. You literally – I finally told you my number. We call on the phone. And you told me – I want to come see you. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Next time you're in L.A., you know, we should definitely get together. I'd love to meet you, blah, 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 blah. You messaged me like 45 minutes later a picture of you at the fucking airport, <laughs> and you were getting ready to get on a fucking plane, and I was called you, and I was like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I made a reservation at a hotel in Pasadena. I'm going to meet you tomorrow. I'm fucking terrified. I'm like, this fucking military veteran, three deployments, fucking addict in oh, his active man. addiction, PTSD oh, survivor, like, you know, just scheduled a fucking flight and he's coming to LA and wants to meet me tomorrow. I was like, Oh my God. So of course I so, said yes. Cause I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm so glad we're talking about this. Um, so it's funny now, right. Cause we can sit back and we can look at it, but you know, and in, in, in retrospect, like it, it, it was, it was, it was scary for, for a few different reasons, obviously for you. Cause I'm like, well, like you're like, who is this crazy guy? Right. Um, I guess the, the thing about it is, is I've always been really passionate about physical fitness. And I knew at that time that my life was not right. And I needed to find something to, to connect with. Like I said, you know, I'd been out of the military. I needed to find something to connect with, to be a part of, to have that purpose again. And I'm like, physical fitness, I know my life is not right, but I know I want to be sober it's perfect. I got, I, and you know, all these different Instagram um, personalities are DMing me and they're like, wow, great figure. Why don't you collaborate with us? I'm like, I want to be a part of something that's decent. Right. So I find you guys, and like you said, I, I'm talking to you. Well, it was crazy because like, I'm in the middle of addiction. I'm, I'm, I'm drunk every day, all day. I'm working out drunk. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Everything else in, in life is falling apart here. I'm going to LA because I want to be a part of this clothing company. I'm gonna get my life on track. <laughs> so you're right. I, 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 um, this is actually it's not only scary, but it's it's shameful and it's 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 sad. I, um, I, I ended up. I, I, I left my family here in Minnesota to hop on that flight, and I look back on it and I'm like, who was that guy, man? Who was that guy? I didn't find this out. Mind our listeners. I didn't find this out till afterwards. So <laughs> yeah. I got. Yeah, put in a predicament, but, but it's fun. <laughs> yes, time, 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 time heals wounds, as they say. But um, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. never a wound in the situation. <laughs> I, 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 I set, I set Jim up, not, not intentionally, but I set Jim up. But I, um, I very shamefully, I, 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 I abandoned my family. I left my family, and I, I came out there, and it just goes to show just how deeply disturbed I was and just how alcohol had taken my 
my cognitive abilities and misconstrued them. And I thought that what I was doing was the right thing. It just shows how it just, it just yeah. shows how crazy I was in those moments. Um, thankfully, Jim did so meet me, you- and you know, we we sat down and we talked, and and I was you know having breakdowns and everything, but we made it through, huh? No, you're not getting off that easy. We're getting into sport. No, don't think okay. We sit down. We we had we had an emotional moment. We made it through, motherfucker. No, we are talking about. It. Yeah. We were talking about this. So your ass flies to LA and passes, you know, we decided to meet at Grand Central Market. I'm like, I'll meet him at a super huge, this is right, this is pre-COVID. This is October 2019. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm gonna meet him at a massive place with lots of people. Smart. Smart. <laughs> so we we plan to meet. Your ass is late because you're on one of the scooters having too much fun, like a kid in a candy store. You're on one of those little rental scooters riding yeah, around. Those in Minnesota, and- I'm telling you. <laughs> Best thing ever. So we meet, we meet, and uh, I'm like, all right, let's go here, get some lunch. It's super open air market, big. You know, I thought you were trying to not drink. Your ass shows up with a glass of wine sitting that comes and sits next to me. (laughs) And you're drinking wine as we first sit down. I'm like, this fucking guy, like, what? And you have your arm backpack on. I'm like, what the fuck? Does he have a gun in there? I'm like, I don't blame you for any of these thoughts. Like, honestly, like I look back on it now and I'm like, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, like I'm riding LA. I've never been in LA. I'm pretty sure I had like my shirt off. I'm flying around LA on a scooter. Downtown, downtown LA. Half drunk. And yeah, I come and I sit down and, 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 and we're talking and you're, you're walking me through this place. Um, I, 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 I faintly remember you know, the I faintly remember the place, and um, yeah, I had my army backpack on, and I'm 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 sitting there shaking, and I'm having like a PTSD anxiety breakdown at the same time, trying to talk to you about how great I want to be, and yeah, it's all counterintuitive, the whole situation. You had a big breakdown, man. That was that was a powerful moment. That was that was an amazing spot when you dropped to the ground. And per, in Grand Central Market, and we had to get you outside away from it, getting some fresh air. You know, that that is things we look back at and, and not ashamed of. It was a prideful moment, how far you've come. So, you know, we had a great time. I think the next part of the story is is part that you looked at as such a fun, amazing, incredible time. And as it was happening, I was like, this is probably one of the worst things that could possibly happen to this gentleman. But we go around, like, all right, let's get our mind off shit. We talked. We tried for a couple hours. Had a great talk. And I'm like, let's go take some pictures. So I brought you some ballot gear. And we go around downtown LA, Pershing Square, down to Staples Center. We're up in uh, by all the museums, snapping pictures. You're just jacked, you're yoked. You're, where have you in tank tops? We're taking pictures. Like all the Asian people around think you're a celebrity or an athlete. So they want to take pictures of you also because they notice I'm taking pictures of you. <laughs> they want pictures with you. Right. Then we're in Pershing Square and a professional photographer comes up to us and he wants to there was a Colin Kaepernick uh, little thing going on there, uh, you know, on the on the walls. And at that time, Kaepernick was really pro- uh, popular for for kneeling during. That's when all this kneeling during the uh, the national anthem was going on. So you know, we got some power. But a professional photographer wanted pictures of you in front of the Kaepernick mural. It was just you were getting so much attention, and you were just everybody was wanting to be around Keith and. And for an addict right in the middle of his active addiction, that's probably one of the worst things you could possibly have because you want to talk about a false sense of satisfaction. You're, you know, a small town guy, you know, not used to being in a huge city. You're in a huge city and you're 
you got celebrity status going on right, right now. Yeah, it, it really was. It, and I look back on that and, and it was, it was probably the worst thing that could have happened to me. But it also at the same time, I think it was also a, a very good learning experience for me too, because just as, just as high as I was in that moment, you know, I came back, two hours two hours, it, it, everything completely crashed, you know, and, and, and it was, a very, it was, a, it was, it was a very, I have that picture of the, the Colin Kaepernick picture and I have it proudly on my IG and, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And I, I think those pictures are, are, are amazing, but the story behind those pictures are the, the learning experience there is, is what I hold on to right now, you know, because it, it, it helps to keep me humble um, because just no matter how great you are or how great you think you are in that moment, you can fall immediately. Never give yourself that false sense of, of, of not only security, but hype, man. And I mean, like it, it, it was an amazing experience and I wish I could do it all over again. And, and I was sober, but I don't think that I would have had the, 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 the learning experience that's going to stick with me for life had it not been like that. You know, I mean, Hopefully next time, you know, something like that happens, I'm, I'm sober and, 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 you know, I can really take it all in. But um, I, I, Man, it was, I had to go to work like we, we spent like good five hours together. And I had, unfortunately had to go to work that night and you were in L.A. And your wife found out your ass came to L.A. She was pissed. And what did she do? She fucking turned off all your damn credit cards. So all of a sudden you're stuck in I'm L.A. Stuck. I don't find this out until I'm at work. I'm but, stuck. I don't, I, you know, I you don't would... have access to, to any funds. I literally had to sleep. So I went from being a, 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 a short-time celebrity to sleeping in an airport on the ground, no food, no money. I actually didn't even have a plane ticket at the time. Had to reach out to some veteran support groups and ended up in the VA hospital at one point as well. Um, before I ended up making it back to Minnesota, and that was actually the, the that that was actually the beginning of some actual real recovery. To be honest, man, I remember that. Like I just remember that. Like it was just yesterday. I can put myself back in that situation. I had to go to work. I knew you were going to keep drinking. I was like, "Fuck, he's going to he's in downtown LA." It's like, you know, it's like that really insecure person in a bar where, you know, that's that false sense of satisfaction that's all around you, all this false sense of attention, you know, just when you, you get that and you get a, a emotionally unstable person and you put that around them, it's just tragic. And man, I had to watch that. And, and you missed your flight. Once you mess, I'm at work, you missed, you text me, you missed your flight. I'm like, oh shit, your wife canceled all your credit cards. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I tried to get you to come stay with me that night, even though that, that terrified me, but. You refused to do that, yeah. but uh, yeah. and where you've come since that time, man. Um, first of all, your wife hates me. The only negative review I've ever gotten for Valor on Facebook page was your wife destroyed Facebook. Oh my god, I can't believe this company's <laughs> about recovery. That's the last thing they're about. I can't delete comments. It's still on there. Oh if anybody wants to go read that, Keith's wife's comment after this weekend, after that weekend, it's still I on. Facebook, the only negative comment I've ever had. Full responsibility had. on that. Full <laughs> responsibility on that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Your wife still hate me? You still hate me? No, no, she doesn't hate you. <laughs> she's just very supportive. You canceled your damn credit card. Yeah, you ran away. From she's her. protective of me. That, that's that's where that comes from. She's just protective of me. That's that mama bear. I get it. <laughs> but man, you want to talk about a fucking comeback story? The next, the next probably, this is October 2019. 
you know, your life, you got back to Minnesota, man. Your life didn't get much better very quickly, no, did it? I had to, um, I actually had to, I went to therapy and I ended up needing to, I, I came back and I thought that I was, yeah, I thought that I was cured. And um, that was like maybe a month. And I actually didn't go directly to therapy right away. It took me about a good month to go back to go to therapy. My wife wasn't having it um, and the kids. And so I needed to, um, I had to correct myself. You know, I had to fix myself. And um, I went to rehab. I went for like a month and I thought it was good. Um, and I, I fell apart right away. And so then I needed to go back. Um, and I had to go this time for another three months. And honestly, um, my... You, you, went to a, you went to a VA, you went to a veterans rehab, correct? It was all veterans that were homeless that, that, that you know, they had, they had this program available to them. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a, it was actually a, it was a, it was a homeless and also rehabilitation place. Um, and so I was, I was in a very, I was in a very vulnerable spot, an uncomfortable spot. And I think that's what I need is I need to be uncomfortable. I don't think that I was ever uncomfortable. And, um, that was really what I, I, that's what I needed. My family took themselves away from me. Um, so life got a lot worse, um, before it started getting better. Um, I, my family means everything to me and I was on the verge of losing them completely. And that's, I think what really, truly woke me up. I remember the phone calls of you drunk in your truck. I remember the phone calls of you in hotel rooms. I remember the phone calls of when you were in rehab and you left and you were went to the liquor store and got wine and you were drinking in your truck. Yeah. I remember this. I remember yeah. all those phone calls. I, I, yeah, I was I was a hot mess, man. I was definitely a hot mess. But you know, I'm I'm I thank God that you know I was able to pull it together, and um, you know I, I was I was able to see you know what life was like with alcohol and the difference between the two. And thankfully, I, you know, I got a little bit of taste of life without alcohol during, you know, the first couple stints. And I realized that it was better, um, but it was just maintaining that. And that's where I think the difference is right now. What's your current sober date? Honestly, God, truth. I have been sober for nine months. I don't know the specific date. Yeah, wow. I I look at it, well, I look at awesome. it like this for me um, because I do not know your fucking because and and I I'm glad you asked that because for me sobriety is now like a lifelong thing, right? And I understand that my sobriety date should be celebrated, but each day and each month that passes, I feel like okay, now you just have to repeat it each and every single day. Sobriety is yeah. one day at a time. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> When you, when you put it as a lifelong thing, that's that's putting a lot of pressure on yourself. The sobriety is one day at a time. We all hope, of course, it's a lifelong thing, but you don't know your I don't, damn sobriety. I don't. Day. Sobriety day. Day. I, don't. I, I, I just, I don't. It's just the honest <laughs> truth. You're nine, you're nine months sober today. I couldn't be more proud of you. I've, I've, you know, since the day we met, I watched your life just not get better for a year. And, I've, you know, we talked, we talked on the phone dozens of times and the the stuff you went through with your with your wife and your kids man 
you are a freaking success story right now. I couldn't be more proud of you. Tell me, tell me what was it? What was it that your why all of a sudden became more important to you and more powerful than your excuses? What, what was it nine months Honestly, ago? Honestly, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about my, my kids and my wife. Um, I also, I wanted to live. I wanted to live and I knew that there was a better person inside of me than what I was putting out. Um, I, I was tired of people seeing me as this heathen, that this, this uncultured savage that I knew that I wasn't. And I needed to, in order to be the father and the husband that I wanted to be, that I knew that I am, I, I knew that, 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 that it, it's just like a military mission. You have certain things that you can have and certain things that you can't. And I knew that the mission called for zero alcohol. And the, eventually, at the end of the day, if I wanted to be who I wanted to be, which was a good dad and a good husband, I just I realized that there was, there was, there's no more bullshit. I couldn't bullshit myself. I couldn't make excuses for myself. Um, and I had to be honest with myself, period, point blank. This mission is en- this mission is enemy wants us dead every day. You know this this uh, it, it blows my mind how we and not just you we all anybody that's listening to this that's in recovery we've all chose alcohol over our kids or our family or our friends for many many years. So it's just cunning, powerful, cunning, baffling, powerful. And this enemy wants us dead every single day. So man, I, I can't tell you how how proud I am to be actually having this phone call with you right now. I appreciate that, man. I really do. I really appreciate that. So now you're building your own gym. I see your gym is getting amazing. You're getting big. You're getting so much equipment. You're really developing it. You're, you're, you're the things we talked about in October, 2019, when you came to LA, you know, you're, you're starting, you're doing it, man. You're, you're, you're speaking to other addicts and and they're in treatment. I think you go back to your old, your old place and you, you speak to them. You're, uh, you're, you're spreading the word. Talk a little bit about what life is right now. Say again. I'm sorry, Jim. Talk a little bit about like what your life well, right is like now, right now. What's going um, on? I'm going to school. I'm training people in my studio gym. Um, and I'm just being dad and husband, man. That's it. Like, honestly, I, I keep my nose to the grindstone and I stay focused, man. That's, I mean, I try to stay as wholesome as possible and I'm just, you know, <clears throat> I stay inside of my Bible. I stay inside of, you know, my books and I stay inside of my gym. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not a bad place to be, man. That's, that's a good spot. I appreciate that. Bro. I really do. What do you, yeah. You know, I, I love, I love seeing, I love seeing a good, uh, a good comeback story, man. There's no better good comeback story to you. One question. Do you think, you know, um, you know, all that time that you were, uh, you were, you know, just out there messing around still and you were, you know, full of resentments and, and I'm talking about from the time that, you know, where we met and you were going through your relapses and stuff. Do you, do you, do you feel like society, did you resent society for any amount of time? Cause you feel like, you know, you, you, you gave this country three deployments in 17 years and did you ever feel like people didn't appreciate that and that, you yeah, know, absolutely. they were ungrateful? I definitely felt that. Um, but I, I quickly realized that that was my own, you know, selfishness and feeling sorry for myself and so the things that i felt about myself i that's what i projected out onto other people you know um and then as soon as i stopped feeling sorry about about myself you know i i I realized that what i put out into the world is what people are going to see and i stopped 
I stopped resenting society and I started resenting myself. And I think that's a big reason why I've been able to, to make the changes that I have. How do you feel inside right now? Nine months I, over. Isn't I, it amazing? I, I do. I feel like a, I feel like a, I feel comfortable. I feel at peace. Um, and I feel like I am who I want to be. I mean, at the end of the day, <clears throat> being comfortable with myself and, 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 you know, having self-confidence and, and self-esteem, that's the biggest, that's, that's the biggest, I guess, a, a gain that I've gotten from, you know, not necessarily just sobriety, but also, you know, being in tune with who I am as a person. Yes, sir. That's amazing, man. I yes, love sir. it. Uh, I love it. You have a legacy now, Keith. You know, um, you know, one thing that you all your time in the military is, is to an extent, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, sets you up for a little bit of opportunity for success. You know, you have lots of funding and grants and, and advantages, not advantages that, are, that were all earned, but opportunities available for you for, you know, future endeavors and whatnot. So, you know, I'm so excited to see what the future holds for you. I think the sky's the limit. You know, you can get um, you know, I know what you want to do and you, you have lots of funding and support available to you through the military because of what you've done. And I'm super excited to see well, what you have in store for us. You know, I, I, I am too. I don't know necessarily specifically what um, is, is on the horizon, but I know that I'm working and I'm constantly in, in, in bettering myself. And so, I mean, like the, the legacy that you speak of, you know, I mean, it's, it's for my kids, it's for myself. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I just know that things are going to get better each and every day. And as long as I stay the course and, 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 you know, st- keep humble and stay true to myself, I know that, you know, things are going to get better. And I mean, I, I know I have a lot more to offer the world. I know that I do. And so I am going to continue to, to stay on the, the program, as they say. I love that, man. You have so much to offer this world. Keith, I can't thank you enough. We're probably at about an hour and 10 minutes. This is a long time. It flew by. I can't believe it flew by that fast, but it did. I hope our, our listeners got so much out of this because I know I did. I know, uh, you know, I've been honored to know you for about a, uh, a year and four months now. I know you in person. Man, you're my my third guest on this podcast. My second one, I didn't get to the podcast. It was on IG Live, but, man, I, I, you're the first male on here. Um, I'm, I'm so honored to have you on here, man. I love you, brother. Love you, you know too, you man. are my brother. Love you too. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Uh, nine months. Congratulations! I can't see what I can't wait to see what you have for us in the future. Everybody listening right here, please. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed what you listened to. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. We got some more great episodes coming up. Keith, you have a great day, so man. Me, I appreciate brother. you so much. I can't wait to talk to you again. Peace. All right.